Peter Schwitzer? Oh, yeah, it's the guy I listened to when I made my first billion. He's one clever son of a... Five, four... We're online. The hottest internet station. It's time for The Switzer Show with the guy who makes getting richer easier than running up a credit card bill, Peter Switzer. Yes, this is The Switzer Show. I'm Peter Switzer. Welcome to the program. Joining me, of course, is my colleague in crime, inverted commas crime, Paul Rickard. How are you, Paul? I'm very well, thank you, Peter. (laughs) Okay. Well, you should be well because people like us, we really get off, don't we, when budget time comes around. There's, There's nothing more exciting and sexy to people like you and me than a good budget and post budget analysis. Well, I know a lot of economists. Like you, Peter, get off with the budget. I'm probably a little more passe about the budget. But look, it's worth talking about because there are always some changes that impact our financial life. Not always the ones that get the the publicity on the first day or two, but as as these things sort of get better disseminated and dissected, Mm. uh, we find there's a couple of little things that as investors and superannuants and others, and even from a small business point of view, we should just talk about. Well, Paul, I've had an argument with my good wife, Maureen, about whether we should be doing budget stuff so long after the budget. I kept saying to her, so much stuff doesn't come out on the the Wednesday, Thursday and Friday because there's just so much to, to look at. But over the weekend, that's when you often find that stuff that we don't know much about. I call it sometimes the insightful, the, the, the surprising and, of course, the wild and wacky. They all come out over the weekend when there's a lot of time to think about this pretty complicated document. And often the devil is in the detail. And maybe just to share with our listeners some of the processes that go through. I mean, because the budget's not just the, the, the Treasurer getting up and telling us how much of a surplus he's going to deliver in the never-never. Yeah, that's right. And uh, a bit of other browbeating. And it really but, excites us, that, doesn't it? <laughs> it does surplus excite Surplus in the future. But there are a number of uh, very detailed explanatory statements that uh, cover funding measures of everything you can imagine that government spends money on, just how much they're going to allocate and what it's going to cost over the next four Mm. years. But on top of that, Peter, they actually introduce a lot of draft legislation that that, that, uh, then goes out for public comment. And so on that night, although you don't sort of see it till some days afterwards, you find out that some of these proposals, there's a a draft, explanatory draft Mm. released, the government puts up legislation, it's now out there for public comment. And so some of the proposals that you might have, the way you thought something might have operated on the Tuesday night, within a couple of days can have already changed because they've got some feedback to say, this ain't going to work. Feedback like you drongos, this ain't going to work. Why didn't you talk to us before you put this budget out, you dopes? Yeah, obviously the big headline numbers don't change, but the detail can change. And Mm. that's probably why it is uh, worth talking about at this stage. Okay, so as you said, Paul, the devil's in the detail. So this is a program where we're going looking for devils. Devils. Mm. Okay, let's just kick it off. Um, there's a whole lot of things, but I'm interested. You like to you want to bring up the subject of land tax. So what, what, what's, what's this all about? Well, I wanted to mention this point for uh, one of the little changes they announced on, on the budget was mm. that you used to be able to claim as a property investor, you know, things like deductions to do with interest and outgoings for rental properties, but people were also were claiming it for vacant land. So I buy and, a block of land. Yeah. With the idea that one day I'll build something on it, and in the interim period, you could get some deductions. Yeah, while like you're for waiting. example, you might be funding it. You might have borrowed money, and you yeah. might be claiming interest, the interest cost to yeah. uh, to purchase a, a lot a block of people of in that land. boat. 
There'd certainly be some in that, in, in, in that bracket, Peter. Mm. And, of course, that's one of the things that a uh, little announcement in the budget, they're going to stop that. Mm. So you won't be able to claim any deductions. So at the moment, Paul, if I bought a block of land as a person to build my own private house, I guess you don't get deductions. But when you build it for investment purposes, then you would get deductions. Yeah, it would have to be for investment purposes. And that has sort of been the ATO's arguments here for the change, Peter, saying, well, hang on, we don't actually know whether you're going to invest or not. Yeah. We know you've got a block of land. You know, Where's the assessable income? Because the whole idea of deductions are, you know, from a tax point of view, from is that, of course, the deduction relates to the earning of assessable income. And if it's a vacant land not doing much, well, you're not earning anything, so how can you have a deduction? So that that's a little change that was, was announced. Okay, I'm just going to go for the sexy ones. There's a whole lot of yeah. them, Paul. But um, let's see, for example, the super changes. I think some of those super changes are fairly important. Aren't they? Like now six people can be in a self-managed super fund. So the despised children, the Fifth and the sixth child now can be inside the self-managed super fund. Yeah, and I had that very problem. So I, I, I can speak from experience. I've got three adult children. Mm. And I had to decide which of my children wasn't going to be in a, a member of my super the fund. The bad one was left <laughs> the out. The bad one was left out. Not quite that way. She <laughs> was in a great government scheme, so I didn't think she needed. Yeah. Of course, you can be a member of multiple funds, and you can have, have you can be as have as many schemes as you want. But yeah. uh, look, that's a good rule change, allowing up to six members of a self-managed super fund. A couple of other ones for self-managed super fund trustees. Uh, look, a little one, of course, is, is, is the hassle that you're having to get an audit, mm. and that costs money. And, of course, if you, if you work with your accountant, you've still got to go and find an external auditor to someone independent of your accountant to do the books. A bit of time and process. So they're going to introduce sort of the good trustee rule that yeah. if you kept good books of records for three consecutive years not done anything wrong, then you'll only have to get an audit every three years. So that's going to save, save money. Yeah, yeah, it's going to save some trustees some money. Another little important change uh, for those who are over 65 uh, have got low super balances. We used to have to go through a work test. So uh, between up to ages 65, anyone, anyone up to 65 can make a contribution to super, but between 65 and 74, you've got to pass the work test. It's not that hard, but you had to work... Um, 40 hours over a consecutive 30-day period. So something like one full week of the year or one day for a month, one day a week for four weeks would, would get you through the test. But, you know, that doesn't work for everybody. But now if you if you have retired early or you have retired without a big super balance, you're going to be given an additional year to be able to make super contributions. Right, so good. That's, that's an important change. It's mm. probably not going to impact too many people. But there are a couple of little changes in super, Peter, uh, I think they're all important to know. And, and of course, some of that detail comes out uh, as has some plans around capping fees and some other things on super. Okay, look, we've got David Giles coming up later in the program and we ask him about some of the, 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 the tax changes and all that sort of stuff. And of course, uh, yeah, we've got some questions here that Dave will, will help us answer as well. But Paul, I think a lot of people don't get why the government went for a tax offset why do they do a tax? And people don't really understand a tax offset. I think they might have gotten ahead. There'll be a tax refund at the end of the mm. year. But why not just change the tax bracket? Well, I think, and that's a really good question, Peter. And the reason is, is because of our progressive tax system, mm. uh, you can't give a cut to the low income earners unless the high income earners get it as well. Share, share if, a lot. If, if, well, for example, if, if you, of course, there's a tax free threshold of $18,200. Everyone gets that. And everyone gets that, right? And the tax rate on the first $1,000 is 19 cents in the dollar. So mm. if you earn between, if you earn $19,200, you pay $190 of tax. Mm. So if you were to reduce 
increase the, uh, the tax-free threshold from 18000 to 19200 every taxpayer, hmm. whether they're earning you know, $20,000 or, or $200,000 billion. would get exactly the same yep. cut of $190. Yeah. So because the low-income people aren't paying much tax in the first place, mm. it's really hard to give them a cut without giving the cut to everybody else. Yeah. And in some cases, if you change things like, uh, you know, tax rates, the more you earn, the bigger the cut. Mm. Some people say that's unfair. So the offset only goes to low-income earners. And so that's why they've gone for the position of this offset of an extra potentially $530 because mm. it means you or I, Peter, won't get it. But someone earning uh, $80,000 will get an extra $530 by way of a tax offset. Mm. The downside from the government's point of view is it actually doesn't come out of the week-by-week -week pay deductions. You've it's actually got to put in your tax return first yeah. before you get the offset. So it means the economy arguably won't see the money. Yeah. And the government, I don't think, will get a lot of the political benefit apart from being able to say we've cut your taxes. But mm. the, the, a lot of taxpayers won't actually see it until it's July 2000. I guess they're hoping there'll be a bit of consumer confidence because a lot of people don't realise they're not going to get it until later. But also, Paul, they did just tweak the, the 32 cent bracket. Yeah, so they, so they, the top goes from 87k up to 90. Yeah, so they did tweak the rate between 87 by lifting the threshold with 30, the 32.5% tax rate mm. cuts in from 87 to 90,000. Mm. And so that will have an, an a impact for a, everybody, everybody who yeah. earns more than $87,000, including you and I, Peter, mm. we're getting, who are getting paid millions of dollars. Not quite. <laughs> we dream. Yeah. But if we were getting paid millions of dollars, we'll also get a tiny tax cut from the 1st of July. Okay. That's a, a good rundown. We're going to look at some really quirky ones after the break, and we have David Giles coming in after that. So let's go to an ad break now, and we'll just get back with some more interesting budget tax talk after the break. And now, a word from our sponsors. Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300 664 339 or Google Switzer Home Loans. Now, here's Switzy. You know, Paul, just for interest's sake, I was doing a little story on interest rates. And I, I thought, well, in fact, I got a question from a, a listener around, you know, should they mm -hmm. fix their, their interest rates? And I said, well, they're probably not going to raise interest rates until, you know, end of this year, if, if, if we're unlucky. But it could be end of 2019, judging from what a lot of economists are saying. So I had a look at what the three-year fixed rate is. And uh, I think it's you know, Ubank's online loan is about 3.9 something. But on comparison rate, it goes up to about 4.1. Our Switzer home loans, we, our headline rate is about 4.1, but the comparison rate is like 3.93%. Because fixed fix rates can be quite quirky when it comes to comparison rate, but we're the lowest three-year fixed rate in Australia, according to those rates. Right well, city. I think we should, be, uh, we should be celebrating, Peter. I mean, I, I think there's a couple of really important takes about that because it's, the comparison rate is arguably a better way to compare loan A to loan B because mm. there are things, you know, fees, valuation fees, monthly fees in some loans. And yeah. that all goes to adding to eating into your dollars. So yeah. I would be guided more by the comparison rate than the headline rate. I think it also goes to that question of, of do you fix? Mm. And uh, 
look, I, I, I'm probably in the sort of the 50-50 camp on fixing. That is, I think it's good to, from a budgeting point of view, to yeah. fix. Yeah. Uh, if you'd asked me a couple of months ago, would interest rates uh, going any lower, I probably would have said no. I've always been in the camp, we'll have to follow what's going in the US, simply because of the rest of the world's going up. Poor old Australia won't be the island that stands in the way of the great tide. No, that's right. But I did read a couple of forecasts on the weekend from a couple of economists saying, saying they're talking about a rate cut later this year. Now, mm. I don't know where that's come from, but look, I think the Reserve Bank is clearly on hold, Pete, and, yeah. and so, so there's I. very little chance of rates going up in the short to medium term. Yeah, and look, I, th- I think one good thing we saw over the last few weeks, the Aussie dollar's come down. If the Aussie dollar could get down to, say, 70 US cents, mm. the Reserve Bank wouldn't even think about cutting because a, a, a fall in the currency is a bit like a rate cut. But, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I, I think fixing is I, – I, in fact, the answer I gave to, to the, uh, the listener was basically – uh, hold until the end of the year and we'll see how it's going because they won't be raising this year. I can't see them raising this year at all. Yeah, I, I fix more on the basis of budgeting certainty yeah. and I like to know my cash flows and I would advise uh, anyone out there who's who's thinking about borrowing to invest or to even buy your first home, whatever it is, just being able to have a bit of certainty about what you're going to pay. So I, that's why I like to fix mm. probably not all of it because I think you need a bit of flexibility. The old redraw facility uh, if you need to borrow money for some other reason, um, it's yeah. a really cheap way to do it. So. And, and by locking half your loan, if there is a, a half, I say, quarter percent rise, well, for you it's going to be a one-eighth of a percent rise rather than a quarter, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and look, so you've got to look at the look at the two, your fixed rate versus the standard variable rate and what the difference is. But mm. yeah, you, I mean, it's, it's right. So you don't get caught out as much. So. I'm a fixer more out of budget certainty, as budgeting certainty as opposed to trying to predict the course of interest rates. You know, I, mm. I've had my record interest rates isn't bad, but you know, there's always a bit of a the trouble with the way the market works is the variable rates do tend to be lower than the fixed rates. So yeah. the longer it stays at a variable rate, the less you pay yeah. in interest. So yeah. that's the advantage in, in some ways of, of keep, keeping exposure yeah. to the underlying cash rate. I think if someone definitely knows they've overborrowed and they would be in a lot of trouble if they couldn't take a half a percent interest rate rise, well, they probably should fix for three or five years, knowing that it's, they wouldn't have to pay a break fee if they sold their house in that interim period. But it's something worth remembering, isn't it? Okay, Paul, let's have a look at some of the, 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 the quirky ones. Mm. Uh, We're going back to the budget here. Yeah, back to the budget. Least, yeah. You wrote this article about the 10... Interesting budget <laughs> outcomes. But I thought, open data, this is a tricky one. Apparently, we're going to be able to get all our records from the bank and basically cart it off to a different bank if we want Yeah, and so this is all of the program of, of, of encouraging competition in banking and, mm. and there's a big program called Open Data, which is actually forcing the banks to share some of their data with other financial providers. Mm. And they've actually set some dates. I think it's by the 1st of July 2019. They're mm. going to have to be, the big banks are going to have to be able to provide some data on request to other, other banks and smaller banks have a little longer to comply. I don't know how you as a customer go if you say, I don't want my data shared. <laughs> I don't know what your rights are. I haven't seen how that works. But, but you, you will be able to get your own data yourself and have a look at oh, it. Oh, yeah. Look, right. it, it's more to do with the whole idea about credit reporting. And yeah. so that uh, you know, a, a newcomer to, to the market's not disadvantaged because they haven't got all that history that, for example, an existing one of the existing majors has about you. And yeah. so they can't necessarily assess you in the same 
uh, with the same degree of knowledge that might maybe a big bank can. So it's really about trying to encourage competition. Uh, and this is one of the initiatives. Okay, the crackdown, the black economy, ten thousand yeah, dollars. Oh, this is oh, if you if you're buying the illegal ciggies, watch out because they, they reckon they're going to raise something like is it three billion dollars a year or something? It was a big number, and uh, you won't be able to make a cash payment anymore for over ten thousand dollars. So the idea of getting your builder out there and say, mate, uh, what are you giving How me much for cash? cash? Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, that's going to be a no-no, isn't it? Uh, but, but I reckon some people say, look, the overall bill is going to be thirty. Let's just you know, let's make it uh, four tranches of seven thousand dollars, and you can, I'll write well, me a check for two thousand. Uh, well, Commonwealth Bank found out the hard way about that, so <laughs> I, I guess they're going to come under the anti-money laundering provisions. So yep. any any of the tradies out there, be careful. You might want to get some advice about this. Think about money. When was the last time you saw one of those green folding things? Did you ever see one? Hundred dollar notes. Like, hey, you don't see me. You don't see me. So no. Apparently, they're all. Being used by the black economy. <laughs> all being used in the black economy. So they're the biggest store of value out there. Okay, right? young people can say no to life insurance. You've been rabbiting about that yeah, for years, th- th- Paul. Yeah, this, this is long overdue. This was a horrible thing. And we used to get lots of calls from Peters from people saying that uh, they had a small balance in superannuation yeah, and it had kids. been eaten up by fees. <laughs> there was truth about the fees, but the biggest part was this wasn't compulsory, but, but if you started work, automatically you, you got charged for life insurance. It was really hard to opt out of. Hmm. Uh, and some of the industry super funds were the worst at this. So although industry super funds have done some good things, uh, this this automatic opt-in to insurance yeah. uh, was a problem. And now, of course, they're going to say, well, if you're under 25 or with a small balance, the default position is you're out mm. and you'll have to opt-in. I think it's really good. It should have gone far, probably gone to age 30 yeah. or even more. I still think compulsory superannuation is a bit of a rort. Mm. Uh, in, uh, in in compulsory super. Okay, no super exit fees? Yeah, I don't know whether this is a real problem, but the other impact about this is on low, again, low account balances. They've set a limit of about a 3% fee that can be charged. That sounds like a lot, mm. but I think if you look at some $100, of the super... $100, it's 3 bucks. It's 3 bucks. Mm. Some of the super funds have got a minimum fee of $1.50 a month, mm. a week, and I think it's 70 well, That builds up, doesn't it? Australian yeah. super, it's about $78 a year. Mm. I think there's going to have to be a bit of revision there. So this is good policy about actually capping uh, passive fees on super funds. Okay, travel sites like oh, this is interesting. Like um, Travago, they don't pay GST. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, 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 I can't say I've ever used Travago. I love the ads. Yeah, great I mean, ads. ads <laughs> She's the most famous girl in the country. I'd say now that, that Travago. Girl. I think. Look, look, let's stand up for Aussie Enterprise. I, yeah. I don't. No problem with charging GST. No, that's good. Foreign, Craft beer. For, the small kegs were more expensive or something than the the big kegs. Yeah, I, I think so. Someone bought uh, ScoMo uh, a couple of schooners here because he announced this before the budget. But, but uh, I think it's going to cost a whole $30 million or something. Yeah. But uh, I don't know why there was more excise on craft beers. But let's let's if we get it, see it in the in the bottle shops and the restaurants when you buy a craft beer, will they be cheaper? Mm. Um, I don't think so. I don't know. I love this one, the digital disruptors tax. And yeah. this is one I don't know anything about, Peter. Yeah, so well, this, this, this came from Tom Seymour from PwC when I did the post-budget breakfast in Brisbane on the Wednesday. It, it, they're basically, the government says there's two options they're looking at. One, one is a, a revenue tax on the big players like the Amazons, the Facebooks, the Apples, where the, the belief is that they're using transfer pricing. Namely, they're buying stuff like the, the Irish division of Apple might be buying mm-hmm. services off Australia and they're charging them a real lot of money. So that money that would have been profit 
goes off as a cost to their Irish business where the tax in Ireland is really low. That's called transfer pricing. And so what they're thinking about doing is for big international companies, is actually putting a revenue tax on. So it might be a 5% on your total sales. And that's there's another option, but Seymour said this is the one that Europe's going to go, go with, I reckon, and we'll probably So we're follow. going to follow the legislation. Look, good idea. Yeah. I think this, this transfer pricing for multinationals has, has always been a problem. Very yeah. hard to prove what the real cost is, but you're right, Peter. I'm, I'm all for – I always get really annoyed with my kids, right, and they love the Apple products, and I say, well – these are the companies that don't pay any tax. Why do you buy there? Yeah, it's amazing. That, it's amazing that your kids think you're right? a boring but, uh, twit. I'm a boring old twit, but <laughs> it's the apples, it's the Googles, it's everyone else that, yeah. that people love, say they hold up and cherish and they're cute to buy their products. You think these guys don't pay their fair well, share I'm, tax. I'm reading off Let's my Apple Let's get stuck into them, right? <laughs> you are reading. I, well, you know me, I'm sitting here on a, on a traditional, you know, yeah. Windows PC, none of those <laughs> Apple stuff. All right, this next one, Paul. Uh, I, I get quite fired up about I this. I know you're very fired up. $260 million budget on an ATO crackdown on those people who are gilding the lily when it comes to tax deductions. Do you think there's a lot of people out there like that? Well, it's a bit of a national sport, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think mean, so too. Uh, I mean, cheat, well, I won't say cheat the tax man, but uh, look, again, I... I think there's a lot in the black economy. There's a lot in this. Um, I think the ATO needs resources. But given what we saw the other day with ATO and small business, I mean, I think let's get them to focus on the things that really matter uh, as opposed to really trying to target small business. Yeah, full body X-ray scanners. That one really worried me. Now, I, this I, when I you go to, get, to the airport, right? Yeah, I have to get in the shape if they're going to be doing that to me. <laughs> well, you might, Peter. I, uh, I mean, I always worry when you go into those things, what's going to happen to you? You're going to get, you're getting a dose of radiation? Yeah, or what, that's what's the yeah. A full body what dose. If you don't want to go into one of those. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can politically uh, say you're, well, you're why, a conscientious objector I, to body scanning. Why can't I be a conscientious objector? I, I guess they could probably do the full full body hand search, which is a little more intrusive. Mm-hmm. Finally, Paul, $140 million to film directors to make films here in Australia. I thought this could apply to us, but I think it, it's for foreigners to make films here. So you reckon you might be rushing off to get I was going to make a dual a, citizen? Is that right? <laughs> I was going to make a, a money film to try and make some money out of this. But I, my closer reading of this is foreigners, you know, like Scott Ridley, I think, is making his alien film mm-hmm. here and the Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, Johnny Depp and his dog and versus Barnaby Joyce. Uh, all, all that sort of stuff is being made here. And foreign directors have been getting incentives. I think something like 16.5% rebate, uh, tax rebate. So seriously, Peter, I mean, how would you uh, – let's let's get back to the nuts and bolts. It's now almost a week later. How would you rate the budget? Uh, is it credible? I mean, it's big assumptions about wage price growth, aren't there? Mm, yeah. Look I, I, look, I just think this was a budget where you didn't want to do anything to spook the economy because we're growing at about 2.5%. We need to grow at 3%. The only thing that worries me, Paul, and that's the point you made a moment ago, is that a lot of this money is not going to come through – until the end mm. of the next financial year. So that year is probably the year that's going to get the biggest economic surge because of the budget. I do know he couldn't change the tax brackets because he would have lost too much money. And one of the big pluses is uh, there's yep. so much good talk about budget surplus coming early. And apparently Australians care about the budget surplus more than I thought. Yeah, they, they do. I mean, look, I, I thought it was a it was a pretty good budget. I mean... The assumptions on wage price, you know, he's got three or three and a half percent, I think, in the out years. That's what it used to be. Let's let's hope it gets back there. Uh, so I actually I, saw Scott on Saturday in the Melbourne airport. 
Oh, excellent. Well, yeah. give give Scamo a row, guys. I, I think it was okay. I did okay. too, and yeah. he, reckons, he yeah. reckons they're actually polling really well in a lot of the seats where they weren't polling well. And that news poll that came out today um, kind of indicates well, they well, are. Well, news, news poll, I think, was probably spot on. The Ipsos poll on the Fairfax Press, I wouldn't, I would not even quote that. Uh, but uh, look, uh, not a, not a bad budget. Interesting reaction on a couple of stocks. The market sort of liked it. Mm. Uh, hasn't helped stocks like Link, which is uh, well. Hang on, why don't we do that after the break? Yeah. We're, we're arguing the wind up for a break. But let's talk about that after we talk to David Giles. Paul Rickard's stocks to watch as a consequence of the budget. That after the break. Here we go. And now, a word from our sponsors. Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300 664 339 or Google Switzer Home Loans. Too many people spend money they earned to buy things they don't want to impress people that they don't like. So stick with Switzer and get rich. Where are my teeth? Okay, welcome back. And uh, joining us now on this segment of The Switzer Show is David Giles. David uh, works with our business. He also works for MoneyWise, and he's the accountant to the stars. David Giles, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Pete. Great to be back on. Uh, Now, David, look, I, I guess the question I have to ask you following the budget, have you received any phone calls from clients either worried or wanting to know more information about how the budget might have affected them? We've had a few. Not as many as what I originally would have thought, but mainly a few people interested to see how the income tax rates are changing and some of these new offsets they're bringing in. And then also a few more queries regarding superannuation. We've had a few questions about about just some of the small little uh, changes that they're making around that sort of space. Okay, let's just start off on, you know, if, if I'm a small business client of yours... What would you be telling them that they should be mindful of post-budget? Well, some of the things I'd be wary about and about how it's going to work, particularly for business owners, is um, some of the changes to the way the income tax rates are going to be moving over the next couple of years. Um, There's been a new increase of a new tax offset available for people earning less than $90,000. That's an extra $530 a year. So depending on how you might run your business, you may choose to offer that offset in reduced taxation now or otherwise leave it for the ATO to sort it out. Um, other areas that we've got to be wary of um, is there are some changes in around the, regarding compliancy, uh, particularly there again for some business owners and some small uh, individuals who might be sole traders. Uh, they're looking at increasing the requirement that the director or the business owner is now responsible for a lot more tax debts than what was previously required. Mm. Um, so that's the requirements about GST are now going to be a director's responsibility rather than just a general debt of a business. So that's one that we're talking particularly to our business and small clients is one that we're really focusing on. Yeah, David, can I take you back? This tax offset um, is mm. it's being portrayed as being like a tax refund at the end of the year. But when I was listening to you then, are you saying that if you are in this tax offset um, income group, say, say for example, 
you're on $90,000. I think the person on $90,000 is going to be probably the biggest beneficiary because they get a little bit of the change in the, the tax bracket threshold and you also get the $530. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Okay. Now, if, if I know I'm going to get that $530 at the end of the year, can I get that inbuilt into my fortnightly tax reduction so I can actually use the money now or do I actually have to wait until the end of the year? Well, the way we're seeing is particularly for the next, for this coming financial year, so from the 1st of July 2018, for most of the way the software companies will, will set up their deductions and systems, you will need to wait to the end of the financial year to see that benefit. Mm. So the tax deductible will be the same as normal. But normally um, how the we're seeing how then the low-income tax offset works for people are earning less than $37,000. Typically what will happen is they will be making adjustment when they know that this is your only job and you've not got no other sources of income, you can generally um, ask for that to be applied to the amount of withholding. But for most people from the 1st of July, they won't really see any major difference in their um, tax deducted on a weekly basis. Mm. But generally, we'll say probably by the next financial year, by the time all the, uh, the new rates and schedules come out, they'll probably look at adjusting those there for those people who can pretty accurately predict their um, taxable yeah. situation each year. You'd think, David, if it's Paul here, that if the government was smart, they'd be working mm. with the, the, soft, the software companies who provide payroll services to work out a way that if they knew, if you knew the employee was just, this was his or her only job, yeah. you'd want them to get the money up front mm. and have an effect on for, the economy yeah, and, and, and vote way, a bit more favourably, yeah. right? Yeah, and that, that's Precisely. the way it would normally work. Like, certainly the ATO puts out its schedules every year to, to take into account the low-income tax offset when you go the old-fashioned way and look at the weekly tax tables to yeah. work out how much tax you should be deducting for your mm. staff. Mm. You can factor those in. So it would be something I suspect they'll probably get their act together and maybe sort that out within the next few months. But the way I, the initial description that we came out of the budget is that it's likely, at least for the first 12 months that we're going into, that what don't have a, don't have that expectation. If it happens, it happens, but there probably won't be that expectation where um, you will see a reduction in your take-home pay. It's going to be more likely it will come at the end of this first financial year. Well, can, I, can I, David, just go back to small business? Uh, I just mm. want to talk about one of the positives that maybe no surprise here was an extension of the um, of the instant asset write-off. So just explain what that is and yeah. how that works and who's eligible. Yeah, that's been a, a really great one to see that that's been extended at least for one more year. We have no promises after that next year again, but it is the second extension of this instant tax write-off. So that's where you have an, a capital expense, so purchasing a piece of equipment that costs less than $20,000, that allows you to have an instant tax write-off of that amount of, of that expense. So whereas previously, under the old rules four years ago, you'd spend over $1,000, we'd have to depreciate it, so write it off year by year. Um, depending what it is, it could be anywhere up to 15 years sometimes. And they brought in this new regime, and that's now being extended. So it's a really great opportunity there if you've got a piece of equipment that you want to purchase where you can get the tax benefit from the purchase, so obviously the reduced income tax that you're going to pay for that purchase, and then the actual expense of so the cash flow that's coming out for it to actually pay for that item. Yeah. And so one thing to always remember, it's $20,000 Per item, so you, you can do ten items if you had to. So you can buy five ten thousand dollar items, and they could all be deductible. Mm. And who who's eligible, David? 
What turnover? Oh, that's all small businesses. So you've got to have a turnover um, meet the small business criteria that the ATO sets out. So with the new increased um, uh, rate that's actually below $10 million, uh, you'll be entitled to be able to claim, claim that exemption. And, of course, you could do it this year as well. So if, if you're running a small business and you, say, for example, need a, to upgrade your laptop or uh, equipment always, you tend to think of manufacturing stuff, but these days it's mostly likely to be things like you know, computers and so yeah. forth or printers, but if you had to buy an expensive piece of... Uh, well, even, yeah. even a new small car. Yeah, small car. For deliveries. I've done exactly that, Peter. Um, of course, you can do it uh, prior to the 30th of June to claim it this tax year. Of course, you can do it again next tax year. That was the news of the budget, David. Probably, probably a three-year-old Merc would go that, under $20,000 now. plenty of opportunities there where I had been uh, originally telling my clients that we've got up until last week, we've got no guarantee that this was going to extend beyond 30 June this year. So if there were any last purchases to be done, make sure they're done now. But now with this extension for another 12 months, um, it's a, a, a real big saving potentially uh, to our clients over the, you know, we'll see what happens again after the election, I suppose, for next year. Um, if they extend it again, hopefully they will, being that they've extended it once already, because it is, a, I find, a really big incentive for um, small businesses to invest into that small to medium-sized amount of equipment. And just want to mention one other thing. You can correct me if I'm wrong, David, but, of course, it's a GST exclusive price, Pete, so uh, mm. it could cost maybe as much as 22000 which point. would only be 20000 pre-GST. That still qualifies, That's doesn't absolutely David? correct. Yep. Good point. Now, uh, tax deduction... There's a big crackdown on tax deductions as well. People have been gilding the lily. Are some of your clients worried about that? Well, that, that's true. The ATO is recently and increasingly um, starting to really crack down on personal deductions. It's something they've sort of let, let slide for quite a number of years mm. and really were focusing on the business side of deductions and GST. And so now they've decided to really employ some quite smart software to do a lot of income averaging and expense averaging, we've noticed in the last few months. Um, I can certainly say a couple of my clients have received letters uh, via my office saying that on average for their income and their location in Australia and their amount of expenses, they're above average. And they just say, just a courtesy letter, just to say, perhaps you might want to have a look to make sure they're all square. And of course, being with us, they actually are all square. We've got all the receipts to prove it. But it's just in their situation, they were above average. And it's sort of a lot of these small sort of soft targeting measures initially just to try and improve the not the compliance rate. But the ATO have been allocated several hundred million dollars more to improve their compliance um, and to do a lot more data matching. So I think we'll find over the next two to three years a lot more uh, ATO compliance activities where they're now starting to hoover up a lot more data from various share registries, uh, from uh, property registries, um, to be able to make sure that everybody is claiming what they should be and particularly around those personal deductions and making sure that they're still within square. Big brother's getting bigger. Now, look, before you go, we've got a couple of questions, and you, you can join us. We'll, we'll have a crack at it. This first one comes from Mike from Cronulla in New South Wales. I'm 57 years old. I'm a builder who would like to retire in the next 18 months. How can I take advantage of the small business exceptions to top up my super? My business turnover is roughly 5.5 mil. Okay, so as long as you still make so it keeps below that... Um still meets the definition of a small business. You do have those opportunities where you can either, one, look at uh, rolling in $500,000 straight into super and claim an income tax um, capital gains exemption. So if you sell your business or sell an asset that's used in your business, so if there's uh, a piece of property like a factory or a warehouse that you use actively in your business that's not rented or something like that, it's Mm. 
that could be sold off and that $500,000 of that capital gains can be exempted. Or there is another capital gains that's purely designed for um, rolling money only into super. So it depends on what the purpose is. It's just for super. Then we've got two options. The second one is a $1.39 million cap, uh, which is just a lifetime cap for retirement. Uh, and that can be sold there. Again, it needs to be an active asset. So it can either be a piece of equipment, a factory, or the actual goodwill of the business itself. Yep. That's considered an active asset, and that can be rolled into super. So there are opportunities there that if before you retire, you've got to really have a discussion with your accountant to say, well, yep. what am I selling out of my business, and what can I sell, and how is that going to be able to re-roll that fund, those funds rolled into my uh, super, superannuation fund yep. in order to claim uh, those exemptions from capital gains tax? Because there are... They are available, but those are the two I'd be looking for. The so, private so exemption for $500,000 yeah. and the active assets um, yeah. exemption up to $1.39 million. So, David, if I sold my business, say, for a million dollars and they work out, worked out there's a capital gain there of about $200,000, but I'm retiring and I'm throwing it all into, into super, there's a good chance the whole million dollars can go into my super fund. Um, it, it gets around all the caps and there's no capital gains tax. Is that what you're saying? There's, there that's, is a possibility that's, of that. That's correct, yes. Okay. That's yeah, so that, that particularly that second cap of the 1.39, yep. that sits outside of your normal contributions cap. So your normal concessional 25 good. or your non-concessional up to 100 grand or 300 grand rolled forward, hmm. it sits outside of those caps. So it's an opportunity to have a once-off big hit inside your super to get a lot of money in very quickly. Um, and that's particularly when selling a business is that key time. And that's what those caps are designed for. Yeah, so yeah, for I think small it's, business uh, owners. It's worthwhile saying, David, this is a, one of the more complex part of, of super and capital gains tax. So definitely worth mm. paying for the right advice from your accountant. Yeah, from a guy like David Giles. And you're retiring, go to a guy like David Giles. So um, worthwhile it, it, doing. Exactly. And we, and, we, and we have probably about a dozen or so of those clients um, at least a year. We'll go through that process. Um, and we'll look at all the pros and cons about selling the business in a particular way and where we're going to be sitting from a tax perspective. And then you balance it off on the whole. Is it a good decision or not? And then we'll have that discussion. Right. But certainly it is uh, one that we do find more often than not, nine out of ten times, it's the right way to go. Okay, one quickie. Mary from Kingston in Canberra. I bought, bought my home uh, years ago before the pre-CGT. I guess you mean it's 1985. He's got to be pre-1985, that's correct. We moved out in 2000 to another house but kept the old one. Rather than leave it empty, we've been renting it out for 18 years. Now I'm about to retire and was looking to sell the old home. Would I be liable for CGT on it? Okay, so if it was purchased before CGT came in in 85, then no matter what you've done with that property over its history, you're A-OK. So you're CGT exempt. So that's that's the most important thing. So... that, that's fine. The second property that she's purchased, uh, it, presumably that's post-CGT coming in in 85, then yes, we'll need to factor in some tax for those. But that first one, whatever she's done with it over the time, no problems. Okay, fantastic. Isn't it nice to have some nice news coming out of the tax? It's nice just to be say CGT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David Giles, thanks for joining us. it's one we don't get very often anymore. It's uh, less and less people have got those properties. Yeah, but that's I always, right. Beautiful properties. All right, right, David. Thanks for joining us on the program. David Giles from MoneyWise and Switzer Accountants. All right, Paul, we've got a little bit of time left. Let's just talk about the investment implications for the budget. I know Link is one company that you've been looking at. 
Uh, tell us why. Another yeah, one. I mean, Link is probably one of the most impacted companies because it's in the business of providing super administration services. Yeah. It provides a lot of back office support to, to clients such as Australian Super and Rest and some of the other big super funds. A fantastic business uh, Link has built up over many years. Not just that. Done well in the stock market. Uh, last few years. It's, it's also uh, got a registry business and it's got a big business down in the UK. But it's been impacted because. As sort of a, as a consequence of the government saying, well, we're worried about all these inactive accounts, uh, and we're actually going to take measures not just to limit the fees that could be charged on accounts that are less than six thousand dollars, we're actually going to take steps to make sure these accounts are closed and the, and the monies go back to their right, rightful owners. And so, Link, because it's uh, its clients are people like Australian Super. The risk for Link is that a lot of the accounts it services will disappear. So the money that Australian Super might be paying to Link or Rest might pay to Loop is Link is going to reduce because the number of super accounts are going to reduce. Okay, so share as, price as, has copped it, but you reckon that the yeah, market's gone too far? I think the market's gone too far. Link's share price stays about 680. It was 850 just four weeks ago. It did a very, very successful capital raise. I think the market's gone too high. But unfortunately, you know, Link's not in a position to clarify just what the impact is, and markets don't like uncertainty. So I reckon this is a stock for the what I described in the Switzer Super Report. This is a bottom drawer growth stock. Mm. Great company. Maybe a little early buying, but sometimes you don't pick the bottom. May not recover straight away, but I reckon this is going to be... Uh, long term, really it'll long, come long, good. Long term. Any other ones? Well, I think the retailers are still getting beaten up. Retailers, it really didn't do much for the retailers because that money's not going to translate yeah, good point. straight away. A uh, bit of negativity still on retails. We saw retail sales last week or retail turnover was flat. Four was a bit flat. But uh, look, people like JB Hi-Fi must be starting to get interesting again. They're down back in the twenty-two low $22. Uh, some of the medical uh, research companies, there's quite a bit of money going into some of the as governments put money into medicine. So yep. there's probably a couple of opportunities there. But by, And the infrastructure will be good for the builders mm. long term. But, you know, like all these projects, building Melbourne Airport, you know, that's probably going to take a number of years before it even starts. So mm. you're not going to see the share price in the short term. So, so the companies like Adelaide, Brighton will probably do well in the, uh, down the track, but immediately maybe it takes yeah, some time. so look, I mean, the market gave the budget a pass, but... Uh, there's a couple of specific companies that have got some, there's a couple of winners and losers, but by and large, the market said that's okay and let's move on. Okay, so that's the post budget Switzer show. I reckon it was pretty interesting. Wasn't quite as sexy as I thought it would be, but certainly it was informative. Well, great fun doing it, Peter, and we'll be again here, we'll be here again next week. We certainly will, and we'll come up with something even more interesting than the budget. I'm Peter Switzer. That's Paul Rickard. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week. Thank you.